Welcome, everybody, to the XX Mormon Podcast. I am your host, Bishop Jensen, and I'm joined today by Counselor Davis and um, our guest today, Sister April. You can call me April. April. Yeah. Sister April. Um, so uh, Elder Jackson is taking a brief hiatus from the uh, XX Mormon Podcast. Um, we'll hope to hear from him uh, kind of April this year. Um, and if so, our episodes will probably be a bit more sporadic. If anybody's interested in coming on the podcast or uh, has any ideas for topics, please email us at unmormon at gmail.com. Um, but with that being said, Sister April, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, even though I emailed you to come on. <laughs> well, you know, okay, so <laughs> April, can I give like a brief, a very, very brief history of our life together? Yeah, for sure. So I remember you moving down the street from me when I was about seven or eight. Yes. Right. That and is then, correct. And then we went to different middle schools and you moved out of the ward. And so then I didn't see you, but then high school, you just showed up at seminary <laughs> out of nowhere and you were living with another family in the stake. Uh, oh, what are yeah. you doing here? And then, so I remember you coming for one or two years of seminary. Or did you come for all of high school? Like one or two. One yeah. or two years. Yeah. And then you were gone again. And then I went on my mission and then I came back and I was in the singles ward and you're there again. Mm-hmm. And, and counselor Davis is your home teacher, right? Uh-huh. And then you moved to the East side of the United States and I moved to the West side of Canada and I started a podcast. And then all of a sudden you sent me an email. Mm-hmm. So what? <laughs> Like, <laughs> how did we get here? How did we get here? I would say, though, legitimate, we legitimately, we were friends. Yes. Yeah, of no? course. Yeah. Yes. It wasn't like some creeper coming <laughs> into life. No, I didn't mean you're a creeper, but it's just like this. Oh, here's uh, April again. And it has yeah. something to do with the church. Yeah. I do remember. Yeah. Was it you that lived down the street or was it your grandparents? they we my parents bought my grandparents house when I was about nine so you might have lived down the street from my grandparents and then lived down the street from me yeah that's what I remember because my little brother went to your grandparents house after school right Right. that he they could watch him and I think your grandma was always watching the OJ Simpson trial like all the time or or either (laughs) yeah that was I mean like I remember, I remember my mom watching it perpetually and, and as a nine-year-old, I like the trial went on for nine months, but nine months yeah. when you're nine years old is like a lifetime. Right. Forever. So I was like, man, remember when the OJ Simpson trials on for like 10 years? Like how long is that <laughs> on for? Yes. I remember this. Sa- I remember it the same way. So yeah, we were friends and, um, but I think the reason I was popping up in your life sporadically like that is because I was in church sporadically it wasn't yeah. ever consistent in my life like the reason i got baptized is because of the three people we both know the three girls mm-hmm. and uh, they were all getting baptized i was like me too right but my my dad never took us to church ever and i think i would just go with them or and they all, their parents were always very encouraging they would come and pick me up they lived close by too right so yeah. I remember you in church too. I remember like in the hallway waiting to go into primary, you were quizzing people on 
what the square root of things are. Yeah. And like a, a girl was like, he's homeschooled. I was like, oh, makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I had a chip on my shoulder, probably the size of a crater. <clears throat> Were you homeschooled, so, Bishop? Just till grade five. Being, How I mean, did I not know this? Being an Albertan yeah. and also a Mormon, I mean, I'm surprised you're surprised I was homeschooled. Like, weren't we all homeschooled a little bit? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was homeschooled. I lived in a bad neighborhood. And uh, uh, <clears throat> someone that April and I both know lived across the street from me. She went to that elementary school and, like, got beat up by, she was in, like, grade three and a grade six kid came and just laid her out. And, uh, and the parents went and talked to the principal. The principal's like, yeah, kids yeah. are kids. Yeah. And my mom's like, oh, not my babies. <laughs> and so she was like, would you rather do all your schoolwork in the morning and then play and watch TV all day? Or would you rather go to school all day? And I was like, oh, I'd rather do school in the morning and play video games all day. No, like no brainer, mom. So, that, and then, and then uh, I decided I wanted to be more normal and asked to go to elementary school in the fifth grade. So anyway, yeah. this episode is not about me or my homeschool. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ab- so Ab- you're in and out of the church. In and out all the time. Yeah. And then um, I don't know how deep people get into these things, but obvi- my home situation was not a good thing for me or my siblings. I I don't know. Like, should I tell a little bit of my background? I don't know. As much so. as you're comfortable with. Oh, okay. Well, my mom was true blue Mormon. Like she served a mission, Like, her parents were converts and um, they co- converted in England actually. And then they came over to Canada. And so, yeah, my mom was as true as you can get. She passed away when I was two. And then my dad was a convert and they got married. I think they got sealed a year later after they were married, like that kind of situation. And I think because my dad had a, like a lot of death guilt or whatever, he took us to church for a little bit, but not ever consistently. And so, yeah, fast forward to being 16. I wasn't, it wasn't a good living situation. And just, I, it just happened that my stepsister, I never call her that, but she came home from her mission and she saw the situation and long story short, I ended up living with the Bishop of that ward and his wife, which was phenomenal. I really loved living with them. They were very welcoming. They were, they are good people, but I was 16. I hadn't really ever gone to church and I had gone from like a really bad situation to a really good situation. So of course I was like, this is freaking great. But I didn't really know anything about the church, like singing hymns or praying or any of that stuff. I was like, I don't know. So I did that for all of high school, 16 to 18. And then they sold their house and they moved to South- Southern Alberta. And so like just one day she's like, so what are you going to do after high school? And I was like, okay, well, I better move out. And I moved out. But I, by the time I graduated high school, I was no longer really active. And so I just kind of did my own thing. I went to Mount Royal University for a year. And then I started 
working at chapters, which wasn't really chapters. It was a liquor store, (laughs) (laughs) but that's what I told (laughs) C Davis when we met. Okay. Uh, so I can't remember when C and C Davis and I met, I think it was like 2006 or seven. Is that right? Are you there? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was about that time I was, uh, assigned, um, yeah. you as my home TG. Yeah. And actually with my I brother, think, right? Yes. Brother with your was... brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He yeah. Was, he, oh, he's not quite active, but this will be really good for him. I'll invite yeah. him out every time. <laughs> like that's what you said to me. <laughs> I, I was remember. like, okay, I know him. I think that's why you brought him up. Cause I knew you. And mm-hmm. so I remember yeah. my parents writing me letters on my mission about C Davis picking up my brother to go home teaching. And even though yes. he was on the fence or struggling, he's still willing to go home teaching. So they they were like taking that as a really positive sign. Yeah. yeah. How's your brother doing now? he's great he's uh he's living in sin with his girlfriend um but they just bought a a duplex or half a duplex or whatever in kind of north like hunting north central calgary kind of thing i don't want to totally dox him um but he's working at a butcher shop he's kind of just worked odd jobs and been in and out of things uh, since since he was about eighteen and moved out of the house, so That's he cool. was a sh- like he was a chef at Earl's for a bit, and then he just kept taking like random chef jobs. But he didn't go to Sate or anything. Didn't go to college to become like a real chef. Oh, yeah, he's working at a butcher shop. He was going to be a paramedic at one point in time. That didn't work out. Now he works at a butcher shop. So. C. Davis really messed up. Yeah. Thanks. Well, <laughs> Thanks. I, 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 I remember having a conversation with him that uh, he really liked, um, you know, cooking. And I said, well, why don't you like get into that and start your own business? And, and we got, you know, we had a conversation about that, but I'm, I'm sorry that I let your brother down Bishop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all kind of let him down. So I can't blame it all on you. Anyways, not Anyways. The top, not what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, but that's, so that's kind of when my reactivation, ha- well, no, actually that's not true. I think C. Davis came around for a couple of years before I was like, yeah, I, I don't know what it was. Like he was really consistent. I will say that. I even went and moved to Thailand and he still, sent me messages every month yeah i i loved home teaching like i i just good home teacher i just loved it (laughs) i i think that's the most powerful program in the church although it's called something else now i think home teaching like that one-to-one care is just so powerful anyway and then she came home with a tie tattoo and i thought everything was fucking lost (laughs) so true i did (laughs) nice yeah nice. Went there to what did, find, what, find myself <laughs> did you find did you find april <laughs> while you're there did you find her yeah 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 and then that led me right into the church, <laughs> <Back> <laughs> into the church. so what part of a pong show in thailand just makes you think i want to go back to church <laughs> i think there were certain aspects of my life for sure that i was like this is a this is a mess like 
um, I think part of my childhood, all figuring that out. And um, I don't know, I just really wanted some structure in my life. And it mm-hmm. just happened that at the exact moment that I wanted that, Steve Davis was around and being yeah. like, and I think he would even say, like, you're not as happy as you can be. You can be, <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm like throwing you under the bus here. <laughs> you're just like cringing. But I, I believe that. And there was evidence of that for me because my life was a freaking mess before. And here are some guidelines and here are some rules for you, which I desperately needed as a 18, 19 year old, 20, 20 year old mm-hmm. who just didn't have that her whole life. And so it just worked out really well. And I immediately knew I wanted to go on a mission and I think the difference that I feel like you, that I hear from listening to your podcast and my own life is I truly came to these things as an adult. Um, like, I, even though I was baptized as, at eight years old and didn't know what was going on, I consented to all of these things as an adult. And mm-hmm. so I, I don't have any anger or regret or anything like that mm-hmm. over making those choices. <laughs> you have something no, to say? I can, no, I can agree. Well, just one thing that uh, my grandpa, so my dad's dad, um, he was like a kind of wanderer kind of guy. And the church brought a lot of structure to his life and in a similar way to what mm. you described. And so, and, and my grandpa also came to it as an adult and he's, um, in some ways I can, I could say like the church kind of saved his life or the church enhanced his life by the structure and the rules. Do you and, really and, believe that though? Oh, a hundred percent. And I think okay. that's why my grandpa's so enthusiastic and energetic about, uh, the church. Like right. he goes to the temple, like multiple times a week kind of wow. thing, you know? Um, and he's always been very enthusiastic and, and super excited about serving in the church. And his testimony is just like, you could not, no matter what you laid out for him, change his mind about it. And I think it's cause the church, he wasn't like a drug addict or anything like that, but he was just kind of like a, uh, like, what am I doing with my life? Kind of. And then the church, I think at least the way mm-hmm. he describes it kind okay. of brought him some order. And so when you're talking about that, I can totally say, um, yeah, like church sounds like it was a good thing and a positive thing for, for mm-hmm. the situation you were in. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't regret that at all. And I think I didn't just come back to church right away. Um, I gave it some thought. And there were things that C. Davis and I would talk about all the time, like my, my questions or doubts. And a lot of the time he would be like, yeah, I have those same doubts or I have, I've had similar questions. So it didn't make me feel crazy either. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. But yeah, I did start to develop a little bit, some, some shelf questions as, as we okay. would go on. Yeah. Right. But I quickly, once I started going back to church, I quickly wanted to go on a mission. That's just my type of personality too. Like if I know something is great, I'm, I'm, I want to share it. And that yeah. doesn't just mean religion. 
Mm-hmm. I read two books last year that just changed my life. And literally every single person that I know got those two books, including C. Davis. <laughs> this is freaking great. Right. So it, that should tell you what kind of missionary I was too. I was very pushy, but I got shiz done. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a bad experience at all. Uh, if I think about some of the missionaries on my mission, I was like, damn, I'm a really good missionary. I didn't mm-hmm. smoke pot or have sex. <laughs> That's the stuff. Yeah, that was going where, did, where did you serve again? Uh, I'll, I won't say which mission, but I served okay. in Nevada. Okay. All right, man. Actually, well, yeah. Your dad said something really funny to me when I got my mission call. Care to share or <laughs> great? <laughs> Just <laughs> you, if you want well, to know what my dad said, email us I at gmail.com. <laughs> I know it was really funny. I was so excited about where I was going, and um, I told your dad, and he's like, "Oh, that's perfect. Send the center to Sin City." <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, but I know your dad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, if you just know, it just comes off so funny. Yeah. So yeah, that's where I served and there was real shady things happening. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I, I, I think that was the most self-righteous I've ever been was on my mission. I was like, I'm a really good missionary. Yeah. It does something to you, right? It does. I, it gives you a complex that you're really better than everyone. I was like, holy, that's not good. Um, even to the point, like I married someone for my mission. I don't know if you know that. And, uh, you guys got married on your mission, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I met him the first day in the MTC and he was like sludge, sludge. No. Slouched. Thank you. Slouched. Um, in his chair and our MTC teacher was like, why are you on a mission? And he just dead face like to please my parents <laughs> and i remember thinking it's gonna be a long two years for you i don't even think you'll make it <laughs> like so judgmental yeah yeah now he's the father wow. of my three children but <laughs> okay yeah. so how many times did you guys hook up on your mission and then how did you Never. get together after <laughs> that, honestly that's what my mission president asked He's like, so there were a lot of people on my radar. You guys never were. Oh, really? And yeah, never. I w- I came home from my mission, almost got engaged to someone else. And okay. then I went back to visit and he was in my last area as a district leader or something. And I hung out with everyone on P-Day because that's what you do when you're super cool. And <laughs> I just, I had known him my whole mission, right? We were in the MTC together and. We like we had a snowball fight, I think, that P day. I was like, oh my gosh, he's a really good missionary. He didn't care about me at all. Mm-hmm. I just was attracted to him by him being a good missionary. <laughs> and yeah. And so I was still dating someone else. We were talking about getting married. Then I was like, no, if I marry this guy, I'm gonna end up divorced, which not the end of the world, but uh, so I broke up with him and then I waited for my husband to get home in May, six months later. And I was like, Hey, I think we should date. And he was like, okay. So where yeah. was he living? Like where South Carolina. 
That's where I live so now. So you moved. I know you live there now, but that's where he's from. So you moved out to South Carolina to no, go so out with him, or I didn't move here. No, like we just Skype all okay. every day, and then yeah. my sisters work for WestJet, right? So I would just come down here. Oh, okay. And I would travel there, and then he came up to Canada to meet my family, and he proposed. I think that was like six months later. And then we right. got married a year later. So long time in Mormon world. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, everyone was still like, you're rushing into it. I'm like, okay. There are people who get married after like three weeks. Yeah. I've known him for two years plus a year yeah, for sure. of dating of non missionary stuff. So yeah, I don't know where we were going with that, but Yeah. So you got, you met your husband, you guys got married. Now you have three yeah. kids and yeah. now you're questioning your faith and rehearsing your doubts with other doubters. <laughs> yes. Which he was like, <laughs> why would you talk to other doubters? <laughs> you know what they're going to say to you. <laughs> yeah. They're taking me to outer darkness. <laughs> no, he's actually really cool. He's, and I mean that like in both sense of the word, he doesn't get upset about a lot of things. And when I came to him to talk to him about certain things, he was like, okay. The, the thing he said was, I just don't want you to be ashamed of the choices you're making. Make them, but don't be ashamed of them. And to be honest with him, like I was kind of worried too, like, would he divorce me? Is this like a deal breaker? No. He's mm -hmm. like, why would I divorce you over this? I'm like, I don't know. Other people do. Right. I know. Like when my wife told me, same thing. She First thing, she's like, so I don't want to do church anymore. And I don't really believe in it. I'm like, okay. She's like, so are we getting divorced? Or I'm like, no. <laughs> I was like, your second no, but that, like sec, that's the second <laughs> question, right? And it's, and I was like, are you crazy? Kind of. Yeah. Um, because you're way hotter than I am. I'll never find anyone like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a girl like That's you doesn't come, come along twice in a lifetime, right? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but that, like, yeah. it's, it's... But it is a concern for people. That's the feeling, yeah. Yeah. And it, I don't it, think it's un, an unjustified concern. Because like you said, yeah. yeah, people do, they're like, oh, you're not my righteous priesthood holder anymore. See you later mm -hmm. or, or whatever. Well, there's a whole dynamic about that in our marriage as well. That I think if he were to say to me, I'm going to get a divorce because you're questioning the teachings of the church or whatever. I'd be like, you, this is, I don't mean to say it like this because it sounds like I'm throwing him under the bus, but he doesn't go to church ever. Part of it is because of his schedule. He works shift work. And I think the other part, is maybe apathy i don't really um like he could have totally taken the kids to church right now but he didn't well there's snow and so well no the snow has melted oh. yeah the apocalypse <laughs> is over but so there is that aspect to it but he believes fully mm -hmm. in the doctrine whereas I started questioning things about a year ago, mm -hmm. which is interesting to find like evidence of that, like with talking to my Relief Society president and 
it's interesting how the progression has evolved over the last year. And now I'm just kind of in a, I don't know what the heck to do phase. And I'm kind of rushing it, I think, too. I just want to end up at the destination of where I'm going to be rather than going, feeling the feelings and trying to figure these things out. And so that's kind of what I've been talking to C. Davis about and other people, too, as well. So like when you talk about the destination of where you're going to be, what's that? What do you mean by that? Like, am I going to fully commit myself back into the church or mm-hmm. am I going to, well, I have already started the exit out, mm-hmm. but to say I am leaving the church, that makes me want to throw up. Yeah. Like I, I just, it makes me feel sick literally. Yeah. And I, I, we have different reasons um, for leaving or questioning or what we have questioned and which is interesting. We're all in a different journey, but you know, it's hard navigating that alone. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I really don't know <laughs> what to do. That's why I like kind of reached out to you. And there's some things that we've had in common, like with our, wh- why I originally reached out to you was because of the state president that we both had. Yeah. And I just, for me hearing what you went through resonated with me and I think sometimes hearing that other people have gone through it makes you feel like not as crazy yeah I don't know if you're just like I'm over that situation but no, for me it was brand new I was I like kn- wow someone else went through that too yeah and I think I was actually thinking about that a little bit um we have a, a like we have a mutual friend BB I'll just say BB that would be his initials first and last. Okay. You know, his oh, sister okay, very yeah. well, right? Yeah. BB, <laughs> brother of SB. A gender might help. Like, yeah. Okay. Yes, I do know. Right. Okay. And so yes. he, he had to go through a repentance process with that stake president kind of yes. after my mission. And I remember him like um, just saying, oh, stake president so-and-so is such a piece of, you know, piece of shit. No, he's a, you know, really just saying he's the dumbest guy and I'm defending the stake president who was a total piece of shit to me, but it's like, because you have to have this loyalty to the leadership in yeah. the church, you, you come to the rescue of your abuser. Right. And that's what I was yeah, thinking about so the crazy. other day is I was like, I totally should have just been like inside. I wanted to be like, yeah, he is a total piece of shit. Let me tell you about what he did to me before my mission. But I couldn't bring myself to criticize a leader of the church, you know, it was my duty to defend the leaders of the church and keep my temple covenants and on and on and on. Right. Yeah. Did you have that, that conscious thought? Like I need to defend him right yeah. now. Cause it was yeah. the first thing I wanted to say was, yeah, he's a total piece of shit, but then I had to interesting, but the brakes done and like, what am I supposed to do? And then no evil speaking of the Lord's anointed starts running through my brain and then I'm like, oh. he's actually, the Lord has called him and we need to submit to whatever the Lord chooses to inflict on the blah, 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 mm. uh, you know. See, I never had that thought about him because I thought what, how he treated me was like, it actually thinking about it started a very long, you know, um, 
experience with shame for me, you know, like long story short, I, I did tell you, like he told me in my confessing to him to go on a mission that I wasn't worthy to go. And it was after I literally, I don't know if he did this with you, but he had like a yellow notepad and he was taking notes of everything I was saying. And no, not for me. He was too busy (laughs) looking at his computer, like making appointments. Oh, he was looking at his outlook calendar while he was interviewing me. (laughs) So really dedicated Well, with me. He was right. He was writing down every sin I'd ever committed Mm -hmm. and I yeah and just looked at me like you're you're dirty that's how I felt leaving Mm -hmm. and I just wish 21 year old April got up and said if you understood the things that you're preaching about the atonement and all that like why does any of this freaking matter at all Mm -hmm. so yeah that was brutal and definitely I think messed me up for 10 years. Like I repeated, I repented Mm -hmm. to every single leader after that, because I felt Mm -hmm. so horrible. Like even before I got married, I don't, I still didn't think I was Mm -hmm. worthy enough. You know, it just messed with me hardcore. And so, yeah, thinking about that, what really has brought me here today is I have an almost seven-year-old and he started asking me about stuff about the church and I would say things and it, internally I'd be like, Oh, I don't know if I believe that there is something that happens to you when you become a parent and you start teaching those things to your kids. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just want to be as authentic and true to them as I can be. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know if these things are true. It's been really good for me in my life, but what about you? And eight years old is so young to make a choice mm-hmm. like that, in my opinion. And I just don't feel like as a good parent, I can let him get baptized at eight years old. That's insane to me. You're going to promise to do all these things. And also you're going to, then you're going to be 12 and I have to get the priesthood and then 18, you have to go on a mission. And in between all that, you're, you're going to go into personal worthiness interviews. That's insane. I don't want that for my kids. And so I told that to my husband and he was like, well, I don't want you saying he can't get baptized. And my response to that was, well, then you better start taking them to church and doing all the things that you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So We'll see what happens there, but yeah. Do you have any thoughts or comments on that? <laughs> I, know. I don't know. I feel like I'm talking a lot. No, that's okay. So probably around <clears throat> 2016, 2017, my son would have been three or four and we're still going to church at this point in time. Um, but we'd just be talking after church on Sundays or something like that. Um, and he'd be asking me questions about church and it was, I was just like, he'll believe anything I say. And yeah. I was really uncomfortable with the power that I, I had, if that makes sense. I was like, if I tell him that the earth is flat, yeah. he's going to believe me. If I tell him 
that Jesus right. lives, he's going to believe me. If I tell him anything, he's going to believe me. Mm-hmm. And I just don't feel comfortable programming somebody, him. you know, yeah. that was, that was my thought while you were talking. How about you, counselor Davis? Uh, just last night I was uh, driving and I called my good friend in Edmonton and we were chatting about stuff and, and he has questions about the church and he's got three small kids and two are daughters. And uh, one, one is uh, the other one's a son. And I just said, you know, when we were, when I was still in and my partner was out uh, sister Davis did not want the girls to go to primary because they didn't, she didn't want them to have any, any programming um, saying that their only value was being a mother and having children. And although that is important, there is a lot of value that, that women bring period. Um, You know, outside of their husband, outside of a relationship, outside of marriage, having kids or whatever. And for me, I was like, well, we'll just tell them, we'll tell them the, the, the important stuff at home. They can go to church and hear all that stuff. And then we can teach them like what we want them to hear at home, but kind of like you Bishop, like anything you say to a, a child in their formative years is taken as truth. And you have these trusted people at church that, you know, that we entrust with our kids care for the duration of primary or whatever. And children can be very um, influenced by, by those people. Like they're good, honest people, uh, a lot of them. And they're just, just sharing the gospel, teaching the curriculum, but it's pretty damaging. So just my partner was like, well, you, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Like mm-hmm. they're going to get taught these things in church and then come home and be confused why we talk about, you know, empowering women, but at the same time, the church doesn't give a voice to the, you know, the organize like the women's organization, like everything is made. Uh, all the decisions are made by the Bishop and, and the brethren. Um, mm-hmm. So there's this, yeah, this really weird um, dilemma. Uh, so, but we, we left the church when our oldest was um, just about to turn six, but she already had questions. She's, she's a little anxious. She's an anxious per- person in general, but she would have questions, um, you know, in primary pretty early on and it became apparent that we needed to get them out. So April, I'm wondering, cause you mm-hmm. came into the church really like uh, in, in your adult years. Yeah. Um, so you weren't brainwashed, you know, as to what a woman's role was in the church. Yeah. No. And then you, what was it like coming into the church as an already empowered worldly <laughs> woman? <laughs> yeah, worldly. <laughs> How dare you? True. Um, that's an interesting question because my dad, I don't know if you know this, but he's a cultural anthropologist. And he did his master's on women in the church. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. And like, I've told C. Davis this before, like all like church history stories and um, all that kind of stuff. Those were my bedtime stories. Mm -hmm. So not like polygamy, all that kind of stuff. None of that surprised me at all. And I, I, I haven't mentioned this yet, but my dad was excommunicated. I don't know when I just, I found out before I went on my mission. I went and got my record number and there was no number below my dad's name. Oh, and okay. so I called him 
And I was like, Hey, are you not a member anymore? And he's like, no, they kicked me out. And that was the end of that conversation. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, so yeah, like none of that surprised me at all. Um, so coming into the church, I think I would have been more aware of the struggles if I wasn't, I don't know how to put it. Like I was messed up, like really low self-esteem. Oh, okay. And so I saw it as a, as a really good thing. Like I didn't oh, okay. see the internal struggle, even though my dad would say, say to me, like when I left on my mission, I really hope you baptize a lot of people. Oh, wait, you can't. Cause you don't have the priesthood, you right. know, stuff. I'm like, Oh, he's so bitter. Right. It's, right. It's so hard for me to take him seriously still because he just had so much anger in trying to explain things to me. Mm-hmm. So I never took it seriously. Like he's a joke. He doesn't understand. Yeah. But I, I do, I understand that side of, you know, the concern or the argument for things now. But the other thing too, for me is I've always wanted to be a mom. It wasn't something that I felt had to happen because now I'm, an active member of the church. It's just something I've genuinely always really loved and always wanted. And I still really do love being a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know I'm more than that now. And I think actually my husband said that to me the other day. He's like, you're always striving to be more than just that. And I don't know if he was saying that to be like to insult me or <laughs> cause I'm always a busybody but I understand like my role um, as a human being is much more than being a mom. Mm -hmm. That's just one aspect of me. And I've always been, I I feel kind of empathetic. I worked as a doula for six years. And so I worked with people becoming moms or second time moms and understanding that role for them and how important that period of their time of life is. And i took it very seriously. I loved it. So maybe not the answer you were expecting, but. Oh no. Um, so in terms of not just the, the roles, but when you're, when you're coming back to church, cause there are a lot of gender roles and I just, and, and mm. when I think back to just certain things of like um, at potlucks, like the sisters always serve themselves Eight first. first. And like men <laughs> that always is bull crap. Yeah. Right. The men always have to put the chairs away and women always make the donuts during general conference. It's just like, there's a lot in it, like a lot of weird kind of 1950s gender roles. So when you start coming back mm-hmm. to church mm. and you just, did you notice any of that or no? Okay. No, I know. I was just like, this is just a great place to be they are so happy and accepting and life. Like, I think truly to understand, I came from a very abusive um, family situation. Like all me. And I think, you know, my two brothers, we were all 15 when we moved out, like when we Mm -hmm. left our, my dad's home. And so it was going from a very bad situation to maybe like, a not so great situation is a huge improvement. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't worried about general roles in the church. I was worried about 
food and basic needs and necessities. And also, I think that's why um, when I met C. Davis, I was like, oh, he is a good person. He's a good man. And I could see that. And that's what gravitated me to the church too. Cause then I could see other people who were like that mm-hmm. as well. Except for you. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I like, I, <laughs> I agree um, that the church does play a good role. I think when people are in a tough situation yeah. in life, the church will give but... you the structure and the, the things you need to kind of stabilize but then when it's time to move on, the church is like, no, there is no moving on. This is all there is. There are only three answers to questions in the church. Follow the prophet, read your scriptures right. and say your prayers. And that is the, the, the depth of spirituality, right? And we right. just need to rehearse these things like every Sunday to each other to remind ourselves that we're still right. Mm-hmm. Do you also feel like maybe people not consciously but subconsciously take advantage of people in those situations like are they like oh they like in my situation you know oh like Like, you know what it's in preach my gospel right look for people who've had a major life change you know (laughs) (laughs) like people who've just had kids people who've you know just experienced a death in the family so for sure it's in the book to find people who are at a low point in their life who might be looking for answers or structure or purpose or like it it's in the instruction book right Might not. i'm not saying that that's what c davis did but i just <laughs> oh for sure when like he got was... the home teaching route he was like ka-ching ka-ching <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't come to church in four hey, years he's like i'm family on family situation <laughs> bonus like can we can we share can we share the joke that april and i have um that one of the days that I went to pick her up for church, I had to push oh my a, a keg off of the front porch to open the door uh, <laughs> so she could come out of the house to, to church. There was literally a bong at the top of the stairs. <laughs> and I was like, don't look at that. That's decoration. <laughs> I was, it was the most embarrassing thing I've ever been in my entire oh. life. And I was like, oh. He probably, he, I, oh, he probably doesn't even know what that is. That's what I would tell myself. He's so innocent. Did you know what it, did you know what it was, C. Davis? I don't, I don't know. Maybe like, yeah, like <laughs> I, had, I had never, like my exposure to bongs had been really, really minimal at that time. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I was like, oh my gosh, this is really interesting. I, yeah, I did tell him that I worked at Chapters when I worked at a liquor store. That is true. <laughs> a bunch of other things. Hey, April. I think uh, I made like my status too one time that I was like so hungover. And I think like... he bugged me about that. Yeah. <laughs> An old shoe. I was like, don't drink Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... I lost my train. I thought of where, Oh yeah. We were talking about taking advantage. I don't think uh, genuinely that that's what happens in my case. I do think that that does happen in the church, but I I don't think it's, it's communicated in a way of like, take advantage of these people. It's like, these are the type they're humbled, just like in Alma, the people (laughs) need to be humbled to the dust of the earth before they could hear the message. And the rich proud people wouldn't hear the message. 
So we need to find these humble yeah. people who've been screwed over by life because they're the only ones who'll buy this. Like, <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing, though, Andrew. I, I genuinely remember seeing you. Oh shit! I'm sorry. That's okay. It's been done before. I've said C. <laughs> Davis is a uh, full name. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, that is true. I've heard everyone's name, yeah. but. I genuinely remember you coming home from your mission and just being like so excited that I was even back at church. You're like, you're here. And like the miracles <laughs> that it was. And uh, I, I remember having a specific conversation with you, even C Davis can tell you I have the weirdest memory. I don't go for it. I can recall Cr- cringe, things. Cringe me to death. No, like you were just <laughs> really encouraging and enthusiastic i remember the expression on your face when you realized it was me at church and you're like what are you doing here just genuinely wanted to know what the hell i was doing there and um you know so i i was surprised to hear you had left not as surprised that i when c davis told me because i thought he was going to be the next apostle but (laughs) You know, I just, so it is interesting that here we are 10, Mm -hmm. 15 years later for me trying to navigate what the hell to do next. And um, there are certain things that I've, I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. Or I I reject that Mm -hmm. concept or doctrine or whatever, specifically like that God is this angry, narcissistic a wait, vengeful God. Like, I don't, maybe people don't think that that's what the Mormon church teaches, but that's all I have felt for the last 10 years is like, don't pay your tithing. God's going to get you. Mm-hmm. Think about not paying your tithing. Oh, you're dead. Your house is on fire. Yeah. Like so doom and gloom. And I'm like, Oh, I just, as a parent now, I'm like, that's not how I think about my children. And um, I've always been a spiritual person. I've always believed in God. And so that hasn't changed for me. It's just who he or they are has. Um, yeah. I read a report on the widows. Have you read the widows might report? Have you ever heard of that? No. It's like, it's all about what the church does with, their money, how much money they have. Okay. It's really eye opening. And yeah. I was like, well, I'm not going to. Well, I started putting the tithing in a separate bank account mm-hmm. and I just haven't told my husband yet, but I will. <laughs> so, so the widow's might is, is that a, a that's not a pro Mormon thing, is it? No, it, it's actually really interesting article because at the very end it's like if you want to pay tithing it's these are all the reasons why and if you don't this is why you wouldn't and at the the very last sentence is now you're an informed donator Mm -hmm. it isn't trying to sway you to go either way it's just trying to be like this is where the tithing money goes this is how much money we have (laughs) you know yeah you still want to pay tithing (laughs) Those things, same with like Mormon think, 
was just trying to inform members as well. But I think there's certain things about the church that are so ridiculous that when you lay it out in black and white, right. it's obviously persuading people not <laughs> to pay because it's like this, 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 uh, this uh, church that has $123 billion in a, yeah. in a rainy day fund needs 10% mm-hmm. of your gross, not formally gross income, but the, the undertone is 10% of your gross, you know, right. Should, <laughs> Will you still contribute? It's like, uh, yeah, obviously I won't. Right. Yeah. I remember you saying like on one of your podcasts that you were taking it out of like a student line of credit yeah. to pay your tithing. At one point that, in time. Yeah. That to me is insane. Mm-hmm. That's insane. They're like, you know, stay out of debt and do all the, there's good debt and there's bad debt, but first pay us because we got to build the kingdom. I'm like the kingdom is built. it's just like the go and replenish the earth i'm like there's nine billion people yeah there's plenty replenished it's 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 been replenished replenished like we don't need to worry about that there are enough humans here and they're still coming Mm -hmm. so when i look at things like not so black and white and i give myself permission to question things that's when this really all started. And a, a year and a bit ago, I was asked to give a talk. I was a really society teacher and I was asked to give a lesson on modesty. And they were like, okay, well, we're going to bring in the young women too. And I was so nervous. I wanted to like throw up because I didn't want to just stand up there and be like, cover your shoulders and make sure we're all, you know, dressed like rights and don't tempt the men because they can't control their thoughts like that notion is such bullshit to me i can't get over it so i got up there and said the opposite of all of that and it just so happened that my bishop walked in at the same time mm-hmm. and was like um <laughs> i have some comments <laughs> anyways i later that night there was like a bishop youth council thing at his house And my friend was there and she heard him going around talking to other youth being like, she kind of spoke out a line, you know, she shouldn't have been saying these things. I was like, this is bullshit. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. when it really first started. And then COVID happened and we just stayed home. We never did church and all that kind of stuff. And when we came back, my Relief Society president asked me to come back and teach. And I told her straight up, I'm not going to come up there and just teach whatever the heck you guys want me to without trying to be authentic to myself. I'm not going to say things that I don't believe are true. Yada, yada, yada. I was released. (laughs) So did they try and I know my, like my wife is, she's fading out there. She was teaching young women's and they were like, well, you, can you teach everything except Joseph Smith lessons? (laughs) She's like, like what are you missing here like Mm -hmm. just because the reason the last thing that pushed me out was joseph smith doesn't mean i believe in the rest of it like it's not like my problem stops with him even though that was Mm -hmm. the big problem like yeah so that's interesting Uh, c davis and i had a conversation last week about that like there are things 
and there was another person who was on your podcast that you kind of had a disagreement with. What was his name? Um, is it stake I, president? Is it TC? Yeah. 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 And there were things that I really genuinely agreed with him on. Like the, if you don't think about everything else behind it, I believe that the doctrine, there are some aspects of the doctrine that are really beautiful, like forgiveness and, you know, or you could include the atonement in that. And so I was talking to C. Davis about it. Like, what do I still believe in? Um, mm-hmm. Like personal revelation. He's like, yeah, I believe in personal revelation. I was like, oh yeah. I guess like there are certain things that, you know, you can still take with you, even though you do reject other things does that make sense oh yeah like there, i think we talked about that a couple episodes ago see davis you're on there with us and we we're talking about things that we took with us or something like that um anyway sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no like so what have you taken that you feel is is good anything uh from the church i think or just it doesn't necessarily yeah, the church. The church, because that's a topic of discussion, right? Yeah. Um, I think, like, there's certain, like, life lessons that I had while I was a member of the church that I think I would have had those life lessons if I wasn't in the church, but I, you know, I had them in the church. So, one thing so was, that like, gets with, muddled for you. Yeah, like, living with difficult companions, right? I kind of learned... I had a companion who had like definitely undiagnosed depression or he's having a depressive episode. Yeah. But we, this is like in 2007, we know less about it now than we do. Sorry. We, we knew know less more about, about it, it now, then. knew yeah. less about it then. And it was still kind of like a toughen up, you know, kind of mentality. Um, but I really learned, like I just make him breakfast in the morning. I clean the apartment all by myself. I just did everything I could to love and serve him. Cause right. I learned. And what I learned from that was, yeah, people have highs and lows and we can't just, sometimes people just need to feel loved and, and feel safe. And you got to just, it doesn't make any sense, but all that you can do for people in certain situations is kind of love them and serve them and, and take care of them. Right. But um, have I, like I've drawn on that experience since I've been married, um, but I would have just learned that you know, through having a girlfriend or getting married or, or living with roommates. Right. Um, I think, yeah. uh, so, sure. but I, it's like, I got it from the church. So I guess I'm grateful for it. Um, but I think because the, in, in the book of Mormon does this is because the book of Mormon covers an old Testament time period to a new Testament time period. It blends the old and new Testament God into one God. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to, we, yeah, we talk about Jesus being forgiving and the atonement covering all our sins, but it's also got like rules, restrictions, and conditions on it. You know, that kind of comes from the old Testament side of it. Mm-hmm. And there's still a hellfire and brimstone God who's going to burn down your right. house if you don't pay tithing. And so to me, I, there's such a mishmash of a vengeful God with a loving God that I'm like, I just uh, reject it all. I, I just have to throw the whole thing out. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that what you did when you left? Did you throw everything out? Um, not all at once. 
No. Not all at once. Mm. No, for me. How about you, Counselor Davis? Yeah, I, I checked everything out. Um, however, like I did, I still believed in um, like, like the universal principles of love, tolerance and kindness and forgiveness and knew that those things were important. Um, but like things from keeping like specific to Mormonism, I don't know if there's a whole lot like recently, both of you know, like kind of coming back into this spiritual renewal in my life and, and really holding on to, you know, a connectedness to God and a hand in kind of controlling how my life unfolds. Um, but that is not, that is not something in, in Mormonism. Like there is personal revelation and guidance, but like, it's you aligning with the will of God. Um, not so much like you kind of changing how your life, um, happens. Uh, at least in my mind, Mormonism was like, okay, well you, you have a pre defined mission to a certain degree and you know, you're supposed to do all these things and you'll reach your potential, but that potential is within, uh, under the canopy of, of the church. Um, and you are a child of God, which was really important. Uh, but you're, you know, your, your, your creatorship, your, your becoming like God doesn't happen until after, uh, after this all. And so, I don't know, I've, I, I don't know if I held on to any like nuanced things, any, anything nuanced from the church when I, when I left actually. And it's, yeah, I don't know. There's certain, Do you th- oh, go ahead. Oh, I just say like the idea of Jesus, of him being the almighty God, but then coming down to live with people, gets his hands dirty. It's kind of like an undercover boss, right? And you guys are both laughing, but you put yourselves on mute. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. He, so Jesus does like this undercover boss thing to understand how we all feel. <laughs> And that concept, that concept of when you're trying to lead people or work with people, you don't just put yourself in an ivory tower. You come down to their level. You see what the day-to-day is like for them, see what their problems are. You try, and that's the best way you can help them. I take that idea with me. Yeah. I like it, but that's not an idea I learned at church. I had to make that up myself based on the story, right? Off of <laughs> undercover boss. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess why I'm asking is because oh, do you regret throwing do you think that there was a better way than just throwing it all away? And when your identity is so attached to something that you guys have were both raised in mm-hmm. and you both were so dedicated to, to just being like one day F it all, I think for for me that doesn't work like i think i would have an identity crisis um which is why i'm trying to be like what do i believe what don't i um mm-hmm. it's okay to keep these things from mormonism in my life um and it doesn't make me fake at all like i've said to c davis a few times like i feel like a jack mormon but really i'm just incorporating things that i truly believe myself but yeah, I want to go back to the question for both of you is, do you think that that was a good idea, C. Davis, just to throw it all out one day? Well, it, Tuesday afternoon. 
it wasn't, you know, some people like to trivialize people's faith crises. Um, like I had a stomach ache from 2015 to 2018. Like it wasn't like one morning I woke up and said, fuck it all. I'm out. It was like, it was a lot of turmoil. There was a year, an entire year when my partner was like, yeah, I'm done. And I was like, divorce came up in my mind multiple times. I was going to be that dad who brought, who had an inactive wife or whatever. Um, it wasn't like a quick switch. And I know April, you like want to get to your destination. Um, and I, I need, like, I kind of felt that now that you're saying it, like I wanted a destination as well, but I think deep down, as soon as I like allowed myself to doubt the church and criticize the leaders and look at things more objectively and like be okay with not having answers about, you know, what about the mountain metal massacre? What about polygamy? What about blacks in the priesthood? And, and being like, that is, that is fucked up shit. And as soon as I like, I allowed myself to like say that, then I knew that my final destination inevitably was going to be outside the church, although it was so painful. And so it did take, it did take three years until I stopped attending church. Um, so it wasn't throwing everything out. It was like, all, not all at once, but it was small things. And then um, when I finally away. left, yeah. And when I finally left, I had thrown everything out, but, and then I'm kind of pulling pieces back, but in a very, very intentional way. Like I'm not, yeah. Uh, so it, it's not a quick switch for some, and I, and it's definitely not a quick switch for you. And I know for, with, uh, BJ over there, Bishop Jensen, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't quick either. Right. Like we had these spouses that had left and there was like a massive internal assessment of, of everything. Like, yeah, my wife left at the start of 2017 or end of 2016, but I already had big doubts before that, that I just wouldn't talk about. Um, and so she kind of had to lead the way, but then I still didn't talk about them because I still believe she could come back. Um, and then when it may, became more and more evident that like, this isn't changing, it became easier for me to let it go uh, kind of piece by piece. And so at the end of 2018, I remember I put our tithing in a separate bank account because I didn't know what I was going to do with it yet. Um, and I remember saying to her, like, I've got all this tithing money tucked away and I know the church isn't true or I don't believe the church is true, but in the back of my mind, I'm terrified that if I put this money into a, a savings account or spend it or whatever, as soon as it's unconsecrated for tithing in my mind, our house is going to burn down. And she just said, okay, let's say you pay the tithing and our house burns down anyway, then what are you going to do? And it's like, oh, like, I, like I can't control my house burning down by paying money to the church. Like yeah. if it's going to burn down, it's going to burn down. Yeah. Um, so, and that was, so I didn't, I went to tithing settlement. This is the end of 2017, 2018. I told the Bishop that the more I read the scriptures, the more I see that they are definitely not what they say they are. And you keep giving these challenges to read the scriptures and I keep doing them. And the more I read them, the more my testimony falls apart. So now I can't read the scriptures at all. And I can barely pray. And I just really can't piece this together anymore. And I was bawling my eyes out. My son was with me and he was about five. 
And to this day, the only thing he thinks about church is it's that place dad goes to cry in front of some other guy. You guys are on mute, so I can't hear you laughing. It is raining. He's I'm like, being funny. He's like, yeah. he's like, church is, church is weird. He's like, that's just where dad goes to cry. And, yeah. Um, and, I, I, okay, go ahead. Sorry. I oh, sorry. So just, and then I still, our bishop changed after that tithing settlement. And so he didn't pass on notes. So I, they didn't release me. And I'd seen enough, like people go ballistic when they left the church on Facebook, like kind of 2013 when in 2014, when the CES letter came out, I saw enough of these very public declarations of declarations of independence. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas like, I'm not doing that. I'm going as quietly as I possibly can. So I will wait till they release me when they release me, I will tell them I'm not doing this anymore. And so I'd only show up every other Sunday to teach Sunday school. I didn't show up for sacrament meeting at all. And, mm-hmm. and my only white shirt got a stain on it. So I was just wearing like regular dress shirts. So I'm unintentionally like becoming about as apostate as possible. And then, uh, mm-hmm. and then they finally, they, they're like, well, we want to release you. I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool. And they're like, we, we think you do really great in young men's. And then I start laughing. I'm like, no. And they're like, why not? And I'm like, I just don't want to get into it, but I don't think it's going to be a good fit. And they're like, no, what? And he keeps pressing. And then this jackass says, is, does it have anything to do with your wife? And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. let's talk. And then I just laid out all my issues that I was going through at that time. And I was like, basically, and he starts looking at his watch and I've got other shit to do. Well, you open this can of worms. So I'm going to make you sit here and listen. Right. And, yeah. uh, and then I just said, so for all these reasons, I don't think I can help young boys be missionaries. And I know that's the purpose of the young men's program. Right. So I don't think it's a good fit. So I'm just like, thanks for releasing me. I'm not coming back. They're like, okay, cool. And nobody's tried to bring us back. No one? You haven't no. gotten like inactive brownies or? Uh, we got a couple things for primary, but it was just like, uh, like really generic. Like they don't know our kids really. Cause my son was five. So my daughter yeah. was three. Um, so it's been just kind of generic things in the mail from primary presidency. Um, like the missionaries live in our basement and we like run into them. So every now and then we'll make small talk and every now and then there's an elder who thinks he can save me. So he'll get an earful or just like, it's not an earful. Usually just get, I ask him stupid questions, like really annoying questions. Like if God knows everything, does that mean he knew he created the, the, third of the hosts of heaven that would go to outer darkness and he knew they were going to go to outer darkness before he made them and then he chose Mm -hmm. to make them anyway how do you rationalize that well it had to be part of the plan i'm like the eternal god can't come up with a better plan so if i give birth if if my wife gives birth to a kid with the intention to torture it forever and we still proceed to have that kid and torture it in eternal darkness for are we good parents or bad parents and just (laughs) They like have they no idea what they're up against when you open your mouth. Yeah. That's, the thing. <laughs> That's the long and short of it. <laughs> but I'll, like, I'll keep those poor I'll, little teenagers. Well, they, it's only when they want to save me, but they'll go back. They'll, they'll try. They'll save. whiffle on that. And they're like, well, God does. And like, so God doesn't actually know everything. Either he knows everything or he doesn't. So that means right. he knew that he made these things that he was going to punish forever. Well, they still had the choice. I'm like, well, they didn't because he knew what they were going to do and he made them anyway and let them do it. Like, anyways, yeah. but just annoying questions like that that I get when I was a missionary. I'll, but I'll, I won't let like, go until they give me an answer. <laughs> I, I'm You're glad that. Been- 
<laughs> Go ahead, April. Oh, I was going to say, you've always been really good at a debate. I remember <laughs> in university, do you remember this? You gave a speech on why people should date you. <laughs> it was a persuasive speech <laughs> and you had like a student film you and then you yeah, showed all true. of us i think it's on youtube <laughs> yes. it's still like, out there go youtube it <laughs> uh, that's why i was like i don't really want to debate you i just want to <laughs> discuss how the hell to process good all of this all of this like like for uh, me saying like i've always just said to my husband like i have no desire to leave the church but now the desire is getting there is coming and it feels awful and i think there is some resistance to feeling awful mm -hmm. and going through that process that both you and c davis just described i just I don't, I also don't want pity. I don't want, I just want people to understand, like, I am spiritually evolving. Like, I'm not rejecting mm -hmm. everything. I'm just, uh, that was one spiritual half and here is a new one. And I don't know everything that it's going to incorporate, but, but then there's also like the aspect of like covenants and uh, tithing and supportive wisdom. I'm just like, uh, I don't know. What were you going to say, C. Davis, before I cut you off? I'm just glad that I went to a country where I didn't, you know, speaking Spanish, I didn't have a very extensive vocabulary outside of like the, the, the small <laughs> gospel vocabulary. So when people try to drop, drop big questions, like what Bishop just shared, um, on us as missionaries, we just didn't know how to respond because we didn't understand. <laughs> at least, uh, <laughs> at least the Americans didn't, the, the North Americans. So, well, there, that was such a tender mercy for you, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, April, you know, you brought something up in terms of, um, yeah, like this, 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 this resistance to like feeling crummy about it, right? And it's, yeah, there's just so many times I just think about just sitting by myself thinking about, you know, leaving the church. And I remember listening to a podcast and the guy was talking about his internal conflict when he was leaving the church and he was reading commentary about Joseph Smith. And there were some people that were arguing that he hadn't had sexual relations with these multiple wives. And there were other scholars that said yeah, there's clear evidence that he did have sexual relations with with some of his, his plural wives. And this guy just like, you know, was reading like incessantly trying to like get to the truth. And right. then something just dawned on him and said, you know what, this isn't, this isn't your, your, uh, your discussion to solve. This isn't like, just pick what, what is good for you. And right then and there, he just like closed all his books. And he said, I don't, I don't want to believe in a church where, the pivotal figure other than Jesus Christ, you know, the person that did more for the salvation of men save Jesus Christ has this like scandalous history, like had dozens of wives. He was a treasure digger. And, and it was just like, like, I don't, I don't want to be a, a party to that. 
And that was kind of like, for me, like, you know, whether or not a quarter or a fraction of the scholarship about Joseph Smith, the negative scholarship is correct. Like, I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. Like, I don't want, I like the church has evolved considerably, but like Mm -hmm. the fullness of the church, the fullness of the truth exists because of, because of Joseph Smith. If Joseph Smith, and I guess, you know, we've talked about this, that some people believe that the Book of Mormon is just a historic or like um, a fictional semi-historic mm-hmm. book. And, and there's lots of believing Mormons that accept that and just, you know, they're Mormon because the church is a good place for families. But, um, you know, they kind of forget everything that has that built the church up. That is, you know, the foundation of the church. There's a lot of, a lot of messiness and you can find a lot of the good stuff outside of church and in organizations and in your heart, like you can, you know, I think we don't, we don't give ourselves enough credit that we're actually pretty capable beings and that we can figure this stuff out if we take the time and are patient with ourselves. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that gives me some, it empowers me a little bit to just make my own decisions for myself. Like I don't need an outside organization telling me those things. I just, I think the reason why Joseph Smith, and this isn't just to, I don't want to minimize how this is a real issue for other people, but I always think back to my history. Like, are you going to judge me on the stupid things that I did in my formative years as to who I am now. And that's kind of the justification that I've made about that. Like I am not that person anymore. And I've even, you know, made the joke, like I'm in season three of April. (laughs) She's really coming around. Like there's a lot of character development right now. (laughs) And so judging Joseph Smith's history and like, yeah, that, that doesn't sit well with me, but I understand how people evolve. That sounds really bad to say. Um, so do you have a rebuttal to that? So I, I just, can, Oh, go ahead. Plenty. I was just, just going to say any, anything that he did before finding the gold plates or even those four years between finding and taking out the gold plates, he can do anything he wants. He can do absolutely anything he wants, but the moment he starts having visitations from angels and seeing God's face, mm-hmm. there's a little bit, there's some expectations that I, that I have. Right. Like I'm not claiming well, but, that I'm not going like, out and being like yeah. organizing yeah. a religion and, when you think about the things you did, whatever it was, yeah. mm-hmm. you didn't do those things in the name of the Lord. So that bong and the beer keg, you weren't like, God commanded me <laughs> to have this bong mark and he commanded you to partake. Will you partake? And he was like, if it must be suffered to be somewhere, uh, I will also partake. I think he would have like ran for the hills back then. I think that's what, because I know I would, I would say that one about Joseph Smith, that he's like, Hey, he's a broken, flawed man or, or whatever. Is that what you would tell yourself in the past? Yeah. The other one would be that um, if he's a prophet of God and that's what God told him to do, then I guess I just need to figure out how to get on board with it. Right. 
Right, um, right, right. But it's, let's say our stake, the common stake president we had, um, he's just a man. He's just a man. He's just a man. And when I tell this story to other people as yeah. I was coming out of the church, they'd say, he's just a man. They'd say, hold it. He says he's doing what God is telling him to do. So this yeah. isn't just a man anymore. This is the messenger of the Lord God Almighty. And he is treating me like garbage. So right. that must mean God thinks I'm garbage because he is standing as the judge in Israel. So this church is telling me, even though I'm humbly and sincerely trying to, I actually, this, he's making me reconfess things that are two years behind me and right. making me feel like garbage for that. So God still thinks I'm garbage for things that are long in the past. And I'd say like in your situation with that, you, you weren't really like raised in the church for all intents and purposes. Like you were basically a convert. And so really it's a lot less yeah. relevant Right. I, you know, was raised in a church with active believing parents. I knew better. My mind was open to the commandments in your situation. You were basically a convert, right? Yeah. I, I consider myself yeah. one, even though I dabbled. Right. But, but like that's, yeah. and so really like, but that's what if he's standing, he's not just a man anymore. And the expectation should be higher, I think. And <laughs> yes. Like valid points. Yeah. I feel like there are things just like you have, ex have shared that I'm, I feel the need to justify like, this is why they did this. It is crazy how that is ingrained in us. Like this doesn't make sense. Don't worry. Just be like, that's the mysteries of God. Shove it away. <laughs> you know? just, oh. I have never felt like I just want to be at the destination like I do right now. It's so, it's painful almost. But I don't, I don't think it's like, I remember at one point in time, I made a grid and, and what, and I put four buckets and I had one bucket was, the things I agree with and the things I believe, the things I believe that I don't necessarily agree with, the things that I don't believe and don't agree with. And, you know, it was like a, on an axis of believe or don't believe and agree with and don't agree. And then I just kind of plotted out all the doctrines and I had more in the bucket that was I agree with and believe in. So that kept me going for, I mean, another year. Um, but that was a necessary part of the process, right? It, you're unraveling right. a bunch of things. So even though I might say like, I threw it all out, I didn't throw it all out at once. I cleaned out the garage over several spring breaks, you, you know, I love your analogies <laughs> yeah, that... <laughs> and office references. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Davis, do you have anything to say? <laughs> no, like, you know, I've chatted and texted quite a bit the last couple of weeks and I just, you know, I wish, you know, beginning of 2015, I wish I had someone to talk to other than my apostate wife. Um, I wish that I had had a friend. And, and April, April's laughing right now. April's laughing. We keep going on mute guys. Come on. We need to <laughs> 
<laughs> so we need I, the laughter. <laughs> we need the laugh track here, guys. Otherwise, the audience <laughs> won't know when to laugh. So I, I just, I just, yeah, I wish I had someone. I would, you know, in your situation, you have, you know, two friends that are sitting with you here right now. It's on a podcast, maybe a little impersonal, but like we, we, at least for me, I know Bishop Jensen's a a hard ass and, and uh, doesn't have a lot of feelings, (laughs) but like we, we genuinely care about your well being, And, you know, you you are a, a really, a really good friend. Sorry, two-year-old uh, popped in. Was that Maggie? Uh, that was Maggie. I mean, uh, uh, a child? Uh, <laughs> Margo. Um, Margo. <laughs> but like, I, you know, you, you can be totally candid with us and we'll, we'll sh- obviously we have a bias in, in this uh, equation, yeah. um, but uh, I don't think, you know, we're, we're both open to the fact that the church does offer good things for, for people and individuals, but it also is... You know, we have a mutual friend that is struggling right now because she's almost 40 and she is a really good person, but she's had no marriage proposal, marriage prospect, uh, prospects. Um, and now she kind of feels like she's, you know, she's now one of those mid singles. Um, and what does the church have to offer her right now? Like a whole lot of like embarrassment and shame because she's a spinster and she doesn't, you know, and she's can't have kids. Well, that's what she feels like is being taught to her. Like, right. Like, like, what are we teaching people past the age of 30 mm-hmm. <laughs> or when do you graduate? I don't know. 31, 31. Is this CR? Yeah. No. Okay. I don't know if you know her. Okay. Oh, you do. You do. We went to a conference together. Oh, right. Okay. Gotcha. The- <laughs> I, I think like, um, the church makes a nuclear family an idol. Um, it's the God that we all truly bow down to and worship at church. And, um, yeah. and when you don't fit into that. Like, what are you, a failure? You, yeah, you've offended the God of the, the nuclear family. Um, and, that, and then the church will put out a, a kind of a pity talk every couple of years on how everybody has value, but then they won't evaluate the whole yeah. message that they give the other 12 months. Um, Yeah. And one thing that I found interesting, well, and this is, I guess, a common trend in all religions is that there tends to be more active women than men. So if you want to marry within the faith, men tend to have the pick of the litter. And so I know there were interesting, uh, educated, smart, attractive women um, at church, but they might not have been the most attractive. So they, go through church without like having a date, but they can get a boyfriend outside of the church. No problem. But because Mm -hmm. there's like this, this skewed uh, gender demographics at church, you know? And so then these women just choose to be single when really they could, they could marry someone. They could find a boyfriend, no problem. But I mean, because they're in a a shitty situation, you know, there, there aren't enough guys (laughs) at church who are active in believing they, they just kind of settle for being single. That's so funny. I actually told C Davis that last week before I was active in the church, I always was dating. I always had a boyfriend. And then when I started coming to church, it was like, and I was really surprised about that. I'm like, everyone's getting married and dating. 
but I think it was, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was such an emphasis on dating and getting married that it became such a huge deal. Like you go on one date, you're getting married. 100%. I think. Where it's the outside world is not like that at all. And yeah, like most of my ex-boyfriends from my past, all of them were non-members. Yeah. I don't really think I dated inside the church. Like it's, I'm like, nothing is wrong with me. Oh no, it's crazy. But it would make you feel, I I assume it makes you wonder. Yes. And And so for me with those two different perspectives, I see why our mutual friend um, is like, what's wrong with me? Because she's never had the experience outside dating outside the church where there's, you know, plenty of um, mm-hmm. people to date. And also your self-worth isn't dependent on being in a relationship mm-hmm. or being married or being a mom. And I feel like there's a, there is an undertone in, in our conversations that I have with her about that. And I've just told her multiple times, I'm like, you've done nothing wrong. This has nothing to do with your worthiness. Like what bullshit that people are mm-hmm. feeling that way. Like, that's crazy to me. So yeah, I should maybe extend a little bit of that um, understanding, maybe that grace or whatever to myself as well as I go forward. I might be in this like, limbo state for the next couple of years but at least i'm who knows at least i'm moving forward like i don't i don't look back on the time i spent in a limbo state and say man that was it was tough but it was necessary and i stayed in that limbo state as long as i needed to what would you say to yourself 2018 Andrew to like <laughs> where you are now. Oh damn it. <laughs> You're wondering why I went googly eyed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, what's his problem? <laughs> um sorry. I think B Jensen. So when I was in junior high school, I'd look back on like the last few years of the last year of elementary school and I'd say, man. Grade six was awesome. I should have just soaked it up while I was there because junior high is so hard. And then in high school, I was like, man, junior high was so easy. I should have soaked it up. And basically with every stage in life, I look back and say the previous one was easier. And so I guess just I was always focused on getting to the next destination instead of just being happy in the place I learning to be happy in the place I was in and accepting, you know, finding joy in the journey. What about you? Uh, me? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to get a child a juice box. One second. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just think, yeah, like what Bishop said, just um, although this time is really shitty, there's, so pockets of of happiness and 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 goodness and and this is a you're you're learning more about yourself like there's a lot of people that i think less now than maybe there were 10 15 years ago but there's a lot there's not a lot of people that will come to the 
the dark abyss of unbelief and doubt, they'll just stay away and they'll just, they don't even get close because we're told that that's where Satan lives and that's where unhappiness uh, exists. But I, yeah, the fact that you're kind of standing at the edge and looking down is huge. And um, if I, part of me, like, would I want to go back and like, not have left the church and not been exposed to all that information and like had a wife that was happy in the church. Would I do that with what I know now? Meaning like, was I happy in the church? I, I did find a lot of happiness in the church, but the happiness that I find now is, is better. And it feels more, more my own, more complete. I'm not, I'm not kind of doing rules and, checkboxing things and like hoping for the next calling or, or whatever. It's like, it's this genuine, true happiness that like, Hey, I have a relationship with the deity. I'm happy. My relationship with my family is good. My wife and kids. And I'm just, I'm just content. Are there questions about the afterlife? Yeah, for sure. For sure. But they don't scare me. I'm kind of, I enjoy kind of the, the mysteries that, that exist. But again, I'm, I'm coming from a place of privilege. I'm, I've said this before. I'm a, I'm a white male with a ton of privilege afforded to me. So maybe my, my perspective is skewed, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy with where we are now. One other thing, like looking back on it, because there's so much of an emphasis on like finding happiness and finding joy and you should always be joyful that's one emotion to paint the canvas of your life with and that depth of kind of sorrow anxiety that I was in as I was leaving the church, it, I got to feel things sincerely and deeply and those emotions are real parts of the human experience and it sucks when you're in it, but, when I look back on it, it's just another shade or color that I can paint the canvas of my life with, like as sappy as that sounds. But um, like being in it definitely sucks, but I'd say coming out of it now, I'm a lot more empathetic. Um, I know like Counselor Davis, you actually gave me, you told me that I, I speak in black and white terms pretty often. Um, and I know that definitely, that's one thing that I took away from being in a black and white environment my whole life even if it doesn't come out as much, I'd say I think a lot less black and white about things and I'm a lot less um, absolutely certain about things. And so I think I'm a lot less naive about things because I had to admit to myself that I had totally misjudged everything that I was basing my life on. And I had to be honest with myself that I'd made a big mistake and that was really hard. So in some ways that shook my confidence to its core um, but on the other, the flip side of it, I think it's just, I can, I know how to question why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. And I couldn't have got that experience without having to question the foundation that my life was built on. It's mm. really good. Yeah. There was a purpose for all the, I guess, the pain or whatever. 
I feel like um, there's other things that maybe you guys dealt with so long ago that you've forgotten as part of the process that I'm just like, like disappointing people or um, explaining that to your, your loved ones. Like I, it, like I've mentioned at the beginning, um, my oldest is six, almost seven. And so it's a year away from him being baptized. And I'm dreading having that conversation with my in-laws. Like, why is he not getting baptized? And like, I can quietly do this, but eventually it's going to get loud. And I just don't want, (laughs) I just don't want to do it. I got to get some nerve here and, you know, and just tell them that, you know, eight is great, but nine is fine. And that will buy you another year as well. <laughs> I was like, but then when it doesn't happen at nine too, like then what the hell do you do? Hopefully well, they forget about it. Like we have uh, move across the country. I was going to say, I was going to say something really horrible. Say but... it. We love horrible things on this show. <laughs> I was going to say, hopefully they're dead by then. Just kidding. I'm not sure if you listen to, to Brother Lehi. No. Brother Lehi's story. So he, JG. Oh, yes, I did listen to his. His was a little bit. Whoop. Okay. I think, just because, like, like the black room, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm talking. He had he baptized his son just recently. I'm not sure if he talked about that in his episode. He did a little bit, yeah. Oh, yeah, because his. Um, I guess he got like the the council. Like, if he makes that decision, just go with what makes people happy. Like, he'll figure out the truth eventually. Well, it was like it was his therapist actually that he was talking to. So, oh yes, so that's his, right. I guess what's different might be different from your situation was that his son was asking to get baptized. Yeah. And he was saying, I don't know how to approach this. And what he was told was if you exclude yourself from it, you're excluding yourself. All your son's going to remember is that you didn't want to be part of something that was important to him. Yeah. Yeah. And so I get like, in some ways with dealing with the baptism question, it's not so black and white. No, Um, you know, what is there's a lot of, yeah. It's um, how you how you approach and deal with it. Well, I mean, like if your son, I don't know. Like, do I think he will want to do that? No. Like, I don't even. Yeah. Think just, he, just, just tell he him knows. that they they hold him under the water until he is cleansed, and he'll never want to do it. And oh yeah, yeah. like puts instill some healthy fear <laughs> seven year olds so then yeah. he doesn't even want to go swimming let's start with that no <laughs> like i i understand i understand that like i think if i just left it up to him he'd be like why am i doing this like he doesn't mm-hmm. understand those concepts i remember actually in one episode um b jensen you said like i just want to be at a point in my life where like if people are talking about apostles i'm like who are they now or whatever. <laughs> and I remember having those experiences coming back and people right. making fun of me, like for not knowing who everybody for was, not knowing things. Um, right. Like we were actually, you were there 
at this this exact you weren't making fun of me it was somebody else um who is a very sweet person she wasn't actually trying to make me feel bad but I remember being like I know nothing because she tripped and she's like oh Uchtdorf like as if it was a noise to make when you trip yeah and I and I everyone was laughing and I was like "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) I don't know (laughs) and she like called me out on it in front of everyone I'm like who's that like what's they're like oh no apostle like okay (laughs) I don't know. I didn't know hymns. Like I told my dad like a couple of years ago, how many temples there were in, in the world. And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, it's, it's gotta be up to like, what? 60, 65. Like he's <laughs> so out of the way. Yeah. yeah. He's like, Oh, that's, Oh, that's interesting. Cause my dad actually worked on the reconstruction of the Carson temple. Oh, okay. So, uh-huh. Like back in the nineties. I feel like I remember you talking about this when you moved to Calgary or when you moved into the ward, like when we're, yeah, now somebody else is having a crazy memory. <laughs> that is a crazy memory. Yeah. Or you went, I, you, I went, you went through, through it. I remember I you did. talking about that in primary. I did. I remember yeah. I refused to put the little booties on and <laughs> I was like, hell no. And my dad sat out on like that little bench outside and was like, it's a really special place. And he like was true blue, like to the fullest, but now he'll say like, Oh, I never believed any of that. Or, and I'm like, okay. That's good. I don't know. He got married twice in the temple. So you tell me, just kidding. (laughs) So he's sealed to two women. That's crazy. Hey, yeah, not he's any, a true not polygamist. Anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. They kicked him out. Uh, well, I, I think... Um, Looks like your hands are full there, uh, Sister April. So we'll, uh, should we wind this up, Bishop? I know Elder Jackson would be rolling in his grave if he knew that we were still rolling. Is this episode oh over an hour? It's like oh, an, well hour, an hour and a... Oh, shoot. Yeah, he's just going to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Elder Jackson. Love you, Elder Jackson. I don't know you, Elder Jackson. <laughs> but I appreciate your comments. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks, April. Okay, so with that, we will end in the name of our <laughs> Lord and Savior, Joseph Smith. Oh, shut up. I mean, yes, amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs>